RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Why, You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Today, kind of a cool show. We're going to wrap up on the tail end of our two-part series, Class C, The Kids of COVID. I want to thank everybody who are, who participated in that series, and also want to thank all of our listeners and our audience for the feedback. Some really, really good positive feedback and some great questions as well. Yes, this could have been a five, six-part series. There's no doubt about it. But I think our mission is accomplished. We really addressed the things we wanted to address. And based on the comments and feedback we've gotten here over the last couple of weeks, there's a couple more things I want to get to. Just a couple of things to clarify. So we'll get to that right away here as we kick things off and talk about kicking things off. Fall sports. How about it? I, I You know, I say this often. I might say this maybe too often. <laughs> if you guys listen to the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I often say that, man, this is my favorite time of the year, summertime, springtime, but the fall, I got to say the fall is actually pretty special. It's a huge transition and I come from the four season type of a climate and area. So, you know, I'm a big, big fan of the change of seasons and the fall is real special. I love it in terms of sports. There is so much going on. Look at this last weekend, the kickoff of the NFL. We have the NHL and the NBA into their playoffs. We've got the U.S. Open wrapping up. We've got college sport kicking off. We've got Major League Baseball getting into some serious, serious competition for the postseason. And, of course, MLS rolls on and golf is cruising along. Formula One, auto racing is cool. And, and of course, you know, the horse racing has started as well. And it's all under these bizarre COVID circumstances. But we're getting it done, man. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's huge. Tribute to everybody out there. And it kind of goes back to this last series we had, the Class C Kids of COVID. You know, about getting it done, figuring out a way, finding a way to get it done. Well, today we're going to talk about the kickoff of the NFL season, as we do with the start of any professional sporting season, the crush, what to watch NFL 2021. And uh, we're going to go through the teams, storylines, and players that we're going to be watching this year. And it's going to be a very, very interesting year for sure. Uh, we're also going to set up the next few weeks here on Crush Performance, heading into the fall, as promised. And I've been talking about it here for the last several weeks. We are going to dive into two really, really serious conversations. The first, looking at the brain and brain performance in sport and athlete development. Oh boy, I am so looking forward to this. And you know what? I'm not going to promise you one show, two shows. Well, I'm going to guarantee two shows for sure. But based on some of the response we're getting from the industry and industry experts, people want to talk about this. And I'm so excited about some of the people we're going to have uh, coming up on our series on the brain in sport. And this stems from, of course, our conversation about the priorities for maximizing human performance. And I want your feedback on this. We'll talk about this later again today, but I want your feedback on this. Should the brain and everything that that entails, which we have to outline here if we're really going to make an intelligent decision, should the brain be one of our top priorities in human performance? And let me explain that a little bit off the top here. 
right now, as you know, if you listen to the show, we have four top priorities that have to be addressed before anything else when it comes to maximizing the potential and the performance in sport for, for human beings. And right now, our top priorities are, first and foremost, the first thing we look at when an athlete, an organization comes into the fold and asks us to help them out, the first thing we attack is rest, recovery, and sleep is king. All programming, you know, the comp competitive schedules are a little out of our, our control. We know when they're set, but we can work around that schedule to maximize the quality and quantity of rest and recovery. All the work, the reps, the intensity, the volume, the frequency of everything else that happens around that competitive schedule has to be determined by the quality and amount of rest an athlete can get in any given training period. 24 hours, 72 hours, a month, a year, a quadrennial year for our Olympic athletes. It's all planned. And then you just read and react, right? Like Jim Fannin, our good friend, crush favorite Jim Fannin says, never have a day you haven't had before. All he's saying there is make sure you're planning ahead. Make sure you know what you're going into. It's really hard to read and react and make intelligent adjustments if you don't have that plan. Well, every one of our plans is driven by rest, recovery, and sleep, and it has to be. Trust me on this one. Then it's nutrition and hydration. Number two, a close second, but second for sure. And then after that, posture, range of motion. If our bodies aren't aligned properly, balanced properly, functioning in terms of range of motion around joints properly, one, you're probably never truly going to reach your potential. And if it gets too far out of whack, like most of the one-sided sports, but I'm not even going to say the one-sided sports, overuse injuries of repetitive movements can cause as much damage or, or as many problems as we're seeing in the one-sided lopsidedness asymmetries that we see in uh, a tennis, golf, um, one-sided uh, hockey players who shoot left-handed, you know, those types of scenarios that throw the body's alignment off, muscle balance. That has to be addressed before we can really, really attack human performance. And it has to continually be checked. You have to continually, every year, and maybe every six months, depending on your athlete and the sport, that has to be checked. We're going to be running a course here coming up, talking about these priorities so everybody can understand this better. And then after that is movement. And just trust me on this one again. Uh, you know, I've been around and I've, I've really tried to dig deep for, for us and for my athletes, of course, for me personally and my athletes, but now for you guys too. I mean, just, you know, everything that we've learned and I've learned over here, we're just trying to share it now. So, so everybody can move forward with purpose and, and let's see how far you can go. But it, up until now, those four have been written in stone. Hey, as little as five, six years ago, it was only three. We started with nutrition, hydration. Then we went posture range of motion. And then it was movement. It was only three. We had a sleep, rest and recovery because I've always been a proponent, but you know, as our perspectives change and as you grow and mature and see things and get and experience things. And I've just been lucky to be at the highest level of sport and to know and work with some of the smartest people in the world. Really lucky. You have to be able to sit back, reflect and change based on what you know. You learn something new, you've got to make adjustments. You should be constantly looking for something new. And for everybody who's in the developmental ranks, that's why we always say, look to the pros. If you want to find out what to do, look to the pros because they're probably doing right. There's so many resources out there, right? They have so much going on and so much support in terms of people and money, facilities and, and equipment. There's just no expense spared. 
Um, you also look to the pros to find out sometimes what not to do. <laughs> you just need to look to the, the late night news for that. And again, we can learn from that as well. Learn from the good, learn from the bad. But when we're trying to figure out how to proceed in terms of top performance, just keeping your eye on the pros is a, is a good reference point. Gives you an idea of where you're headed, you know, how far you have to go to get there and what's going on there. And again, there's troubles there too. I mean, injury rates are at all time highs. We look at major league baseball, for example, what a battle. You know, if we look at the NBA, we look at almost every single sport, we're up against it. The injury rates are high despite all of those resources. And I think we got to take a more holistic approach. It has to be everybody on board, grassroots right up to our pros. I'm telling you, I really, really honestly do believe that the best talent hasn't made it to the show. I often, you guys might often hear me say, I think we're destroying more talent than we're creating. And I say that with quite confidence at the developmental levels. Oh, and that's just based on dropout rates, injury rates. The numbers are there. And so I get frustrated because it's 100% preventable. We just got to put everything in context. That's what this series is about. So, you know, three, five, six years ago, there was three. And then we started focusing on recovery and just looking at how important it was, looking at all the trends, the injury rates, the dropout rates. At every level of sport, we're going, oh man, we're missing the mark here. Sure, specialization is a factor here. There's no doubt about it. Early specialization is a really, really risky game to play. We'll be talking about that later this fall too. But man, we're just not recovering enough or we're not doing the right things in terms of balancing our work and our rest and recovery. Sleep being king, of course. So then of course we add in rest, recovery, and sleep. And because we did it since day one, we've always built our programs, our rest, recovery, and sleep, but it just never occurred to us, to me personally even, to include that as one of our performance parameters. But oh boy, it is the greatest performance parameter. Now, again, based on everything that we've learned and some of the technology, you guys have heard me say this too, if you listen to the show. And I'd like to hear your opinion on this as well. Let us know what you guys think. Again, crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. We answer, answer every question we get. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, search out Crush Performance and you can hook up there. But uh, subscribe to the podcast, get in our newsletter. We're sending stuff out constantly to our members and we're getting great feedback as well. But what do you guys think? Like, honestly, you know, we look at this now, what we've learned in terms of, of technology. And again, getting back to what I was just mentioning, you've heard me say this before, the next great areas for pushing human performance forward, it's not going to be increasing strength or speed or doing something different in terms of skill development, technical, tactical work. We've got the physical side of human development pretty much down, man. We really do. We really, really do. We call it a biological ceiling. We're kind of at a biological ceiling. Now, if you're not doing things right within there, man, you've got a ways to go. And it's easy though, because we know that stuff. So where are we going to go to push human performance to the next level? Well, in my humble opinion, and again, this is where I want you guys to chime in. I believe that technology and our understanding and our ability to work with the human mind is going to be the next great areas for tapping into higher levels of human performance. And not just the technology that's, that's, that, that we're using inside of our sport. Yes, there's still ways to go there. I mean, just look what some of these running shoe companies are doing with these ultra light shoes, man. And that's why I can't wait till these Olympics go down. That is just a, a technology showcase. We're seeing new fabrics. Look what's happening in the swimming pool with the, uh, with the uh, swimsuits. Just, just 
hacking into world records, pushing human performance forward. Look what's going on with the running shoes. Going back to London, the US marathon team had a new running shoe. I think it was by Nike. It was like seven ounces lighter than any other shoe that was ever created. And over the course of a marathon, 40,000 footsteps, the saved energy, well, they broke it down to, okay, how much weight did we cut off in 40,000 steps? It was the weight of a small car over the course of a marathon. You know, two, two hours, five minutes for the top guys, two hours, just over two hours for the top guys. Imagine cutting off the weight of a small car. That is a massive, massive influence on performance. And they actually have it broken down to the percentages and it's two, three, 5%, might be seven. I can't remember the numbers exactly. You know, I'm gonna look that up. I'll, I'll tweet that out later today, later this week. I'll tweet that out, the differences. And, and we did a show on that back. I'll go back to that show in the archives too. We've got all that data. We talked to some of the engineers, as a matter of fact. Fascinating stuff. But even more exciting for me is what we're doing with the mind. And coming up in our series that we'll talk about later today, we're gonna really dive into what it's all about. The brain game, we're gonna call it. Should the brain become the fifth top priority in human performance? Something that has to be set up. Something that has to be in order if we're really truly gonna tap into human potential. Listen, we know, that just, just hear me out here. I, gotta, I just gotta rant, I apologize, I'm ranting here. Um, totally off script. I apologize. Hey, sidebar, <laughs> sidebar, everybody time out. But listen, what do you guys think about, about this? This is just the way I'm thinking right now. Okay. We know that if we're truly, truly going to tap into human potential, you had better understand recovery because when you, when you schedule in as a head coach or a strength coach or a performance coach, or even rehab rehabilitation, you had better understand the stresses you're putting on your athletes and how long it's going to take them to recover. But let's say you, let's say you work at something very intense, like sprints, sprints, for example, is a really good one. Okay. Or Olympic lifting, boom, not a lot of reps, but just a lot, huge maximum intensity, jumping drills, for example, plyometrics, I mean, we're, I mean, we see high school programs absolutely breaking athletes every year, especially the football programs. All right, let's just start doing some plyometrics. When these kids have no strength base that, to even allow them to do, to give them the right to do plyometrics, jumping drills, really intense power drills. You got to have that strength base there before you do it. But when you do high intensity work, you need a certain amount of recovery. And then the other factor is, what's your level of fitness going into that in intense work? If your fitness level is lower, you're probably going to need longer to recover. If, you're, if your fitness level is high, you're going to recover fairly quickly. And here's, here's what the good coaches do. They know that the athletes that aren't quite ready, or maybe they're just in a certain phase of their development or training, um, the amount of intense work is very, very small because they know they only have so much time to recover. And for the athletes who are in great shape and can handle the workload, they do a little bit more to push the envelope because they know they're going to recover in the allotted recovery time. And we just dig ourselves into a hole. Parents do it all the time, overscheduling their kids with extra training, private lessons, five or six different teams. And man, we have seen, I have personally seen it firsthand, cutting an athlete's schedule in half. The athlete's going bananas. I'm sitting around doing nothing. I said, yeah, but how do you feel? He goes, yeah, I feel great. I feel great. I said, there you go, man. Enjoy that downtime. Read a book. 
Take up a hobby. That's why we encourage every one of our athletes. And one of the first questions we ask them in our intake, intake interviews is, what are your hobbies? And if they don't have hobbies outside of their sport, we make them for them. Photography, music, get a music lessons, photography class, a cooking class. A lot of our athletes, we get into cooking classes and they turn out to be just, you know, really good chef, home chefs. And they start cooking for their families and their friends and their teammates. It's fantastic, but it's something they can do in now this new allotted downtime because that's part of recovery. Anyway, I can go on all day. We're going to go on about this. And that's why recovery is first. Nutrition, hydration second, and then movement. Your interaction with the ground, being a great mover before we attack everything else. So the idea is we had those three priorities set up and those are the things we would address. And then from there, once that's taken care of, once that house is in order, okay, and originally, remember, it was nutrition, hydration, posture, and movement, those three. Once those three things are in order, then we can attack everything else. Technical, tactical work, the mental game, rest and recovery, programming, okay, everything would revolve around that. Then about four years ago, we adjusted. We added in rest, recovery, and sleep because it wasn't getting done properly. It was an afterthought, and it can't be an afterthought, so we added that in, okay? So for parents, athletes, coaches, teachers, everybody out there, anybody who's trying to perform in anything, you got to understand, you have to know what your recovery periods are and how much quality rest you're going to get. That's going to determine how much work and the intensity of work you're going to be able to do, not the other way around. See, here's the thing. The body can handle huge amounts of work, massive amounts of work. The problem is not that we overwork typically, but we under-recover. We just expect everybody to come back the next day and be fresh as a daisy. That is not how it works. And when uh, we set up the Crush Performance classes here coming up later this fall, uh, we're going to break that down so everybody understands what we're talking about. But, but that's a real important factor. And that's why we have four. Now, we're looking at a potential fifth element. A fifth element that has to be addressed before we attack human performance. It's kind of like getting your house in order. And that's the brain game. All right, we're going to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, all right, we're going to wrap up the series we just ended, Class C, The Kids of COVID. And then we're going to get into what's going on this fall, a real quick breakdown of the crush, what to watch this NFL season, all right? So stick around, everybody. Looking forward to it. We'll be right back here on Crush Performance. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. Okay, welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here. Hey, we're your weekly source for performance information. Questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out to us, crushperformance.com. If you have a topic or something you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We've dedicated segments, entire episodes to your ideas. Or if you just want some help. If we don't have that answer, I, I can guarantee we know somebody that does. Okay, so get to us and, and we answer every message we get. So uh, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email comes to us as Crush Comments. And our inbox says, hey, Crush Comment from Sam. Hey, Jeff or Crusher, da 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 We get them all the time and I love them, you guys. You guys get, you know, as much as we pride ourselves in helping everybody maybe think about things they might not normally think about, you guys really get us thinking. So man, what a great relationship we have going on here and we're loving it. So write in. Hey man, even if it is with those smart ass comments and we've got a few of those too, 
most of them joking. I 99.9% of them are joking comments. And man, you guys got some good humor as well. So we love it. And, and follow me on Twitter at Jeff crush. Uh, I like interacting there. You know, I don't post a lot on social media, uh, but when we find something that's important and meaningful, especially for you guys, our listeners, we post it or we repost it. If we come across some research or a great article, we'll repost that stuff. Or if somebody comes up with a question or if we just have something to say, if we feel it's important, it's going to be there. So, you know, we don't slap stuff out there every day, but, um, but we do try to share as much as we can. Okay. So a uh, bit of a cold going on here, but we're going to battle through because we've got to find a way, right? We've got to find a way to battle through. Uh, and in that last segment there, kicking off the show, <laughs> totally, totally off script, man. I'm telling you. That wasn't the intent to uh, go on that, uh, that rant, but uh, I think it worked out pretty good in terms of what we're going to be trying to doing here, do here in the next little while on the show, uh, looking at the brain and the top priorities. Uh, but what I did want to accomplish here before we, before we let you guys go this week is I wanted to wrap up our series that we just finished, Class C, The Kids of COVID. And again, I really, really do feel for this generation, this era of kids going through this COVID thing. And especially, as I mentioned the last two weeks, the seniors in high school, the seniors in university who are missing such oh, milestones in their lives, things that we've all taken for granted, but are so, so important. You know, um, the Christmas formal, the Halloween dance, you know, uh, school sports. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. There better be school sports. That's all I'm saying. You got to be kidding me. Like, uh, I don't get angry that often, but I mean, we're going to try to wade through this and figure out, is there a way? We had some great conversations. I want to thank all of our guests on the series. My daughter, Ellie, who was kind of one of the main inspirations behind the series, going into her senior year, watching her and her friends deal with the disappointment of, you know, totally canceled summer programs. And then going into the fall and hearing that, you know, their areas of interest might be shut down totally. And very little communication coming from the other side. So these kids are just left in this, in this gray area of wonder and anticipation. And everybody who's listening today knows how brutal it is when you're on the opposite end of no communication, when you're sitting around wondering what in the hell is going on. It is the worst. And I'm telling you right now, if you look at some of the most successful organizations, the successful teams, the successful duos in sport, if you look at some of the successful businesses out there, you're going to find one thing amongst the top performers, whether it's an organization, a team, an individual athlete and their support team, or whether it's a business, the top schools, they communicate better than anybody. If you can communicate well, you're going to have a shot at doing something special. And now if you can get a group of people communicating well, oh, the sky is the limit. But these kids, oh, it's like Al Pacino, in the dark here. I'm in the dark here. And I felt for these kids. And then our athletes, of course, boom. One day they're playing sport. The next day, it's done. How do you, how do you process that as a young developing athlete, a minor pro, a national athlete? Think about those athletes just on the verge of performing for their countries at the Olympics. Are you kidding me? How about those pro hockey players, James Hamlin? from our series, our, our show two of Classy, the Kids of COVID, James talking about, you know, the things he missed in his final year in junior hockey, his fifth year with that team, captain of the team, third scorer in the WHL, just a banner year, boom, shut down. He misses that, you know, the real special things he can't replace. 
right? That final game in front of the home crowd before the playoffs and then going into the playoffs and just seeing what you can do. And then we had to thank Dr. Holt and um, Manny for participating and giving us their information. Of course, our technical coach from Scottish United Soccer Club, Kelly, just showing us that there's a way to get things done. But again, getting back, it's all about, it's all about the young people here. I mean, we're, we're trying to do the best. We're trying to make decisions and do the best with the information that we have, which is a serious conversation we're going to have here right now. But we've got to do a really good job of making sure we're taking care of these kids, you know, and whether, whether you guys, whether high school was special for you or that grade 12 year, I'm, you know, I'm thinking back to my grade 12 year, it was no big deal to me, actually. I mean, I think back of it, but boy, oh boy, if I were to be told that it was going to get shut down, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't know. It wouldn't have been pretty. Not for me. I actually totally enjoy. I didn't enjoy school that much. I didn't enjoy the classroom stuff, but man, did I enjoy getting together with my friends and just being together and, you know, doing stuff. And these kids are missing it. So, um, again, I want to thank everybody who participated. And, you know, if we think back to your conversation with Dr. Holt and Kelly right now, if we look at the landscape, yes, we've got the fall sports going and it's fantastic. The NFL, we've got college sports going after a lot of rumors that it was going to get shut down in Canada and the U S man, there was there was rumors or, or conversations early on in the COVID shutdown that there might not be collegiate sports. Now we found a way, no fans or limited fans. That's great. Let's see how it works. You know, we got to be smart, but we did find a way. And one of the things I liked about talking to Dr. Holt and Kelly was the idea of finding a way and Kelly Hodson, who is a technical coach for um, uh, Scottish United Soccer Club, was sharing how that organization was looking at the challenge of COVID. Not, not a cop-out to shut down and shut the doors. They were really, really looking and investigating, trying to find ways to safely operate, to keep the kids engaged, to give them purpose. Because if you're an athlete and that's what you do, that's part of your identity. Imagine getting that stripped away as a kid. Man, that's tough. Or if you're a musician, or if you're an actor in drama, or if you're a shop kid, imagine the shop gets shut down. You can't work on your hot rod car that you've been working on for five years. I was one of those kids, man. I, I rebuilt in, in my grade 11, 12 year, I rebuilt an old Galaxy, uh, Ford Galaxy 500, oh, two door hardtop. I rebuilt that thing the best I could with my own hands. And man, if somebody would have taken that away, Oh boy, oh boy, I don't know, man. That's what I did in my free time when I wasn't playing sports. I was building that car. I get it, man. And I feel for these kids. Whew. I really do. And so, you know, when Kelly was talking about how they went about in the cohorts, getting the kids out there, and it wasn't games. It wasn't traditional, which is fantastic because Dr. Dr. Holt, that conversation with Dr. Holt was powerful. When he dropped the COVID technical advantage on us, boom, mic drop. Fantastic stuff. And are we going to see it? Oh man, are we going to be watching with great interest? You know, we're not playing games. We're not over competing. We're not over scheduling our kids through this COVID time. And for the organizations and for the parents and the athletes who are doing it right, who are taking this downtime and working on areas that uh, they need to work on away from the game. When we come back, we could be at a whole new level of sport in terms of performance, but also in terms of injuries decreased injuries. And then we get into our conversation with James Hamlin, one of my great, most favorite young professionals in all of sport. I've known this uh, young gentleman for quite some time now, and I've watched him persevere, battle, and just find ways to get better. Now with a two-year professional contract, 
in the American Hockey League. We're going to see as he as he still has his compass pointed directly at the NHL, but how he reacted. Real, not, that's a pro approach. He didn't throw in the towel and meep, weep and feel sorry for himself. He got after it, man. He he knows there's a massive challenge coming. So he's doing everything in his power and he's using this downtime productively to get even more ready for the next level of his game. And, and that can be applied to everybody. Absolutely everybody. So fantastic conversation. And of course, Kelly talking about how it is. But but one of the things that we're seeing, one of the common themes out of that conversation, the COVID series, and some of the feedback we've gotten from our listeners is do we really feel safe? Do we really know how to proceed? You're right. We're kind of shooting from the hip, trying to make decisions based on the information that's available. And you know, like in research and good science, there's a saying, science is not an opinion, right? It's data. And if the data is true and clear, now don't get me wrong, there's bad research out there. There really truly is. I mean, we could make, you can make anything look good. And that's why you have to really understand where the data is coming from. But when you get good data, good research data to base your decisions on, well, now you can move forward with, with, with confidence, at least the, the confidence that, that you have. And that's why we need to dig a little deeper. And with all the uncertainty uh, surrounding the COVID and how it's reacting and what's going on in our environments, our communities, I don't know if we really have a clear picture. I mean, we have our medical professionals, professionals who are working their hardest to do the right things and provide the right information, our, our medical leaders. And then in the sporting world, we're trying to adapt the landscape to keep our, our athletes active and engaged. The same thing at schools. And I think we just need to understand the landscape a little better because I don't think mainstream media is really doing a good job painting a picture. We see the number of cases. We see the number of deaths every day. But there's a lot of information that we, we weren't getting. We weren't happy with it. So we started doing a little digging. And it, it's really interesting. We started talking to some of the medical professionals in the sporting bubbles. You know, the NBA and the NHL, they're operating in bubbles with great, great success. We've seen what's happened in Major League Baseball. They've tightened down now, man. They've, they've uh, battened down the hatches and sent out some warning shots across the bow to all the players. Man, you step outside, you got to be careful because they literally shut down the entire league. The MLB, of course, is looking at a bubble scenario for the playoffs. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, based on the data that they're getting, uh, they're making decisions. We talk to some of those people. And of course, we go to some of our resources. And there's one resource that I just want to share with you guys. Uh, Dr. Zubin Demania, uh, aka Dr. Z Dog. You can check out his great information at zdogmd.com. Z Dog, D O G G M D.com. Um, my wife and I have been following him for years. Just great information. He's a great resource. But I, I wanted to share this with you because he had a little clip um, earlier in September talking about are we being too careless? Or are we being too cautious when it comes to COVID? And he broke down some of the numbers. And here's that. Here's his little clip. Let's talk about it right after. It's Dr. Z. Hey, are we too cautious or too careless when it comes to coronavirus? Well, the answer is uh, both. Because Americans are extraordinarily bad at understanding risk. And this is of crucial importance because if we overestimate the risk of coronavirus, we destroy the economy and our social fabric. If we underestimate the risk of coronavirus, we lose lives. Well, it turns out young people, people 24 and under, overestimate their risk by a inordinate amount. So they assume that 8% of 
these young people get really sick and die with uh, coronavirus, which is something like, I think is like 11,000 deaths should happen in 24 and under based on survey results of what young people believe. Well, it turns out 258 Americans under the age of 24 have died of coronavirus. That makes automobile accidents 36 times more deadly for people 24 and under. Your likelihood of dying of coronavirus if you're under the age of 24 and don't have a ton of medical problems is like infinitesimally small. And yet we overestimate it. Why is that bad? Because these are the same young people who frequent businesses, who use restaurants, who go out in public. And the truth is, if you wear a mask and you do those things and you take reasonable precautions, you're pretty dang safe. There was the salon workers in Missouri, both of whom were infected with COVID. They wore masks, their clients wore masks, about 130 odd clients. Not a single person got sick from them. So it's actually, you can do things in the world without getting COVID. So risk misadjustment number one. Now, what about old people? So the elderly seem to think they're not at high risk for this by a factor of two. They underestimate how deadly it is. It turns out COVID-19 is 14 times more deadly for elderly people than automobile accidents. That's a big, big difference. So what does that mean for the world? Well, it means that protect people at risk nursing homes, people who are at high risk should take extra precautions, maybe staying home if they don't have to go out and shop, definitely wear masks, wash hands, all the other things, social distance. Be careful around young people who can be asymptomatic spreaders. So you don't want young people to underestimate their risk so much that they're out behaving like you know, punks and asymptomatically spreading it, but some balance where you're taking reasonable precautions. Now, what does politics have to do all this? Well, it turns out Democrats are much more likely to overstate and catastrophize the risk to young people, regardless of where they live. Republicans are more likely to understate and actually resist public health authorities uh, asking for masks and social distancing and things like that. Now, it turns out it's probably more the case that these two groups are triggering each other than they are actually responding to the science and the actual risk. So here's the call to action. Let's have a nuanced discussion, good luck with that in America, about risk and benefit. Open up the economy, get the schools opened up again, take pretty much universal masking where you can't social distance, and just do the right thing and we'll get through this thing. And if we get beyond the politics and all the misunderstanding, we will do much, much better simply by understanding risk. Not too careless, not too cautious, just right. It's like a Goldilocks thing. All right, guys. I love you. We out. Okay, so there you go. Interesting stuff, right? I mean, how about that? Some of the data out there. And that's just data, you know, based on research that's been done recently as we try to get a better understanding of this whole thing. But I like this, like this idea of just, you know, it's not rocket science to figure this out, though we do need to understand what's going on. We just have to sort of take that Goldilocks approach. Not too much, not too little. We have to know what to do to keep people who are at risk safe. And we also have to know what we can do with those who aren't at risk. But before we can do that, we need to understand the risk factors. And how about that? You know, based on the perceived risks right now, you know, for our, our youth, um, automobile accidents are 30 times more deadly for people 24 and under than, than COVID. And it's almost opposite for our older folks. So again, when we're talking about our kids and schools and youth sports, 
I think we've got to get things in perspective as to what's going on there and, and how we can move forward. And, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. The reason I wanted to play that because there is an expert, a renowned expert talking about the data with great confidence. And that segment there um, really reflects a lot of the conversations we've been having behind the scenes with some of the top medical experts in the sporting world, right? We've got to proceed with caution. We do, but we also cannot overreact to the point where, you know, we might be doing more damage than good. And of course, in this COVID series, we've heard the concerns from Dr. Holt, from Manny, from some of the coaches and some of the people that weren't able to make the show, some of the experts that weren't able to make the show, their concerns about the mental health of our youth in this shutdown time. We better pay attention to what's going on and we better be doing our damnedest, everything in our power to make sure we're making everything happen that we can make happen safely, right? So just interesting stuff there. Uh, and again, you know, I just wanted to sort of wrap up our COVID series here because that's an important conversation, you know, moving forward with the right information and then understanding what's on the other side of this. And I'm really, really interested to follow up and see if this technical advantage is actually going to happen. So, so, um, that falls right into some of the, uh, other research data that we've been seeing here recently out of the professional ranks, you know, the whole, um, COVID technical advantage that we're talking about is going to be an increase in skill set because we're not over competing. Hopefully organizations, when games here are bit, have been restricted for the last four or five months, we're working on skill set, maybe technical tactical drills, fitness and conditioning for our athletes. So they have fewer injuries and a higher level of potential in terms of what they're able to do for their coaches. We're creating more coachable players if we've set up our organizations properly. And I'm talking everything from youth sport right up to our pros. Well, similar, similar thoughts are being expressed in the NBA. A great article just came out by Baxter Holmes, ESPN senior writer. NBA bubble play has some GMs discussing travel effects. Could there be a massive benefit to the shutdown of travel in professional sports? We're gonna find out right after this. Stick around everybody. Listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I'm Jeff Kershell. Listen, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and for all other social media platforms, search out Crush Performance and we will hook you up with the world of performance. All right, let's carry on here. So coming off of the classy kids of COVID series, one of the cool things that came out of that, despite all the great conversations that we had, was this idea we discussed with Dr. Holt about the COVID technical advantage. Could there be a benefit to our athletes on the other side of this COVID shutdown? Well, we really do think so. We really do. I think there could be uh, actually a number of benefits. Well, there was a great article in ESPN by senior writer Baxter Holmes here uh, a couple weeks ago. The title was the NBA bubble play or NBA bubble play has some GMs discussing travel effects. Really interesting stuff. And getting feedback and input from people who have been in the bubble, the teams who have been in there, living in that bubble, performing in that bubble. One, the level of play has been really, really high. 
feedback from the players and the, the training staff, you know, players at a higher level of readiness, they're more recovered. They're more ready to go. They're more refreshed. And they're looking at all of this and they're going, huh, you know, maybe this travel thing is having more of an impact than we initially thought. Well, I don't think they can escape that because, boy, boy, if you remember back to some of our conversations with Dr. Sherry Ma, one of the sleep research scientists from Stanford University, you know, she's been on our show a number of times and we've had some great conversations. But a few years ago, um, they broke down the NBA and were looking at a number of fatigue factors and how they were influencing the play of the players, potential injuries, but they're looking at wins and losses predominantly. And she did this in conjunction with ESPN. And they looked at 96 games, 96 games that kind of met these preset factors for fatigue, pre-fatigue, like travel, number of games, number of rest days, uh, amount, uh, number of miles traveled in a certain amount of time. So they found 96 games in the NBA season that sort of fell under the guidelines and they predicted who was going to win. And when these games actually happened and they looked back on it, they had a they had a success rate. They actually picked of the outcomes, they actually picked 74% of the winning teams. And when that hit the airwaves, it threw everything into a frenzy, especially the bookkeepers and the odds in Vegas. <laughs> and that's why I always joke with Sherry. One day I said, I tell her, tell your family, one day you're just gonna disappear just for a couple of days. Tell them not to be worried. But we're going to take you down to Vegas and we're going to go through the NBA season and start placing bets. That's how accurate they were. Well, that work right there actually influenced the NBA to change their competitive schedule to look at where teams were. And now there's rumblings looking at the benefits of this bubble play. All these teams locked into this bubble, no travel, the rested, the recovered. The game has been games have been edgy and fun to watch and guys are performing they're talking about maybe altering the league once again. And there's rumblings, and it's just rumblings at this point. They're looking at maybe something like a Major League Baseball homestand type of a scenario where teams stay at home for a certain amount of time and other teams travel in. Then the other teams stay at home. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I like it. I like just the fact that they're talking about it and looking for ways to improve the level of play, but more importantly, improve player health. Isn't it fantastic? Because if you look at what these teams go through, it is, it's crazy. It's crazy what these teams go through. So if we look at the last complete season, the 2018-2019 season, NBA teams averaged 43,534 miles of travel. Okay, the average travel in the NBA was over 43,000 miles. The NHL was 40,000 40,768 miles. So the NBA traveled about 7% more than the NHL, 36% more than Major League Baseball teams. The average Major League Baseball team travels about 32,000 miles per year. And the NBA at 43,534 miles, the average NBA team travels 441% more than the average NFL team that travels just over 8,000 miles a year. All right, let's put that in perspective. 43,000 plus miles, 82 games. The NHL, 40,000.7. They play 82 games. Major League Soccer plays 34 games in a season. 
Uh, the NFL plays 16 games in a season. The Major League Baseball teams travel on average about 32,000 miles. They play 162 games in a season. Not as much travel, but oh my goodness, what a grueling, grueling schedule. A grueling schedule. And I, we had some NBA players come over and cross the, uh, cross the line from the NBA professional basketball into professional baseball. And they said there's no comparison. They lived both worlds. They said there's no comparison. There's nothing like a Major League Baseball season. But when you look at the travel of an NBA team over the course of a year, man, it adds up. How about those numbers? And so maybe something else that runs sort of parallel of this COVID technical advantage that we spoke with Dr. Holt about is maybe a new perspective on how we're scheduling and running our professional sports. And certainly that has to trickle down to our grassroots sports. There is absolutely zero reason for, you know, little novice sport players and, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of age to travel outside of their home district. There's just absolutely no technical advantage that I can see, you know, and it's fun to get an experience. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. Have an overnight tournament, but have it in the next town rather than two countries away, you know? And again, just from the recovery of the athlete, do what's best for the athlete in the big picture. So really, really interesting stuff there. And of course, um, we'll see how the NBA reacts to that. But that is some interesting insight. Again, that article came out a couple weeks ago. You can check it out, ESPN senior writer, uh, Baxter Holmes. Really, really smart article and some good feedback from owners, GMs, and players in that article as well. Uh, really great, great read. Um, let's wrap it up here, you guys. Great show today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Uh, but I did want to get to the NFL season. I love this time of year, as I mentioned, the fall. Everything is going on. And even in, in this COVID age, it's maybe even more important to see our heroes and our teams play and and battle it out on the field, even if there's no fans. And you heard some of the quarterbacks in the NFL after this first year saying it is was the w most bizarre experience of their NFL careers. No fans in the stands. And what I don't know, and I'm checking into this, you know, because I've, I've been to a number of the NFL training camps, which is just fun. You know, I worked in pro sports and I helped in the Canadian Football League, the Eskimos, build their program years back. And I love the game of football. It is a great sport to train for. But I know at training camp, what they'll do, um, especially when it starts getting closer to the season, is they'll get these massive stereo systems and they will crank out crowd noise like as if you were at the most crazy, wildest football game you could ever imagine. They crank the sound out to kind of simulate the sound and what you're going to be able to see on the field and hear on the field so you can practice your communication skills in all the crowd noise. And what I don't know, and if anybody knows this, send us a message. Is that crowd noise just on TV or is the crowd noise they're pumping out, is that, do, do the players actually get to hear that as well? Hey, listen, I've been to some minor league ballparks <laughs> Listen, where it's just crickets and it is hard to play. You know, it does get hard to play when there's nobody cheering, even if they're cursing you out and, 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 you know, it's not the home team. Even if it's, even if it's a hostile environment makes it fun, but having nobody there, man, it is, it's bizarre to see, but playing there, I can't even imagine. So good for the guys to persevere, but, but I, I don't know. I'm going to have to find this out. I just thought of it. I don't know if that sound, if the players get to hear that sound. Or if that's just on on the broad television broadcasts, but uh, interesting stuff. But yeah, what what a great thing to see the NFL season off week one, of course, with all the other sports, right? So speaking of the NFL, 
Here's a quick breakdown, a really abbreviated crush breakdown of what we're watching this NFL season. And we're going to kick it off with how teams respond with no fans. And we're already getting some of that feedback for sure. And how is that going to influence performance? Will it? You know, once the game is in play, will the crowd not being there impact play? We're also going to watch and see how it changes when some of the clubs, the teams start adding fans into their stadium. They're talking about 20, 25%. Some of the teams are going to do it next week and week two. Some of them are going to wait and see just for the safety of the fans, the staff, and of course, um, the, the players. But we saw fans out at some of the college games. Now, I think based on everything that we know, going back to, you know, uh, Dr. Z-Dog, MD, and everybody else that we're talking to, you got to be wearing masks at those games. Unless you're drinking your beer or eating your hot dog, you better have a mask on, man, especially if you're screaming and yelling and shouting. We've got to keep this COVID thing under control so we don't have another mass shutdown. And that's not my opinion. Again, science isn't an opinion. We know masks reduce the risk. So let's mask up when we're at these sporting events. So hopefully all these teams will feel a little more comfortable letting everybody and the fans in there, right? Even if it is at 25% capacity, you lucky, lucky dogs getting into those games. Lucky. I love it, man. I'm jealous. But I don't mind watching on TV either. It's been a great kickoff. But we're watching the fans and they're watching the slow introduction of fans. We're watching the Bucks for sure. Brady and Gronkowski, you know, is the grass greener on the other side of the fence, right? I don't know what inspired the move or what caused the move or why the move was made, but uh, we're going to find out how it turns out for uh, Brady, Gronk, and the Bucks. I'm excited for the Bucks. What a great move. This is a team that's been trying to rebuild for quite some time. They've been one of our teams to watch for a few years now, but now this is really a reason to watch. And we're going to see the power of talent. Does that kind of talent influence the outcome of an organization. Whew, it better. I should. Gronkowski really wasn't a factor in that first game and Brady did not play well. So we'll see what happens as that team comes together. We're also going to watch the Patriots. Maybe, maybe over in Patriot land, the grass is just green to start with because they looked really, really good in week one. But we're going to watch and see, you know, Belichick is just a mastermind. He is, he's just steeled. He is a steely pro, man. And what I mean by that is I don't think I have ever seen him, you know, off the rails, flustered, over angry, over calm, over happy. If you want to talk about one of the magical words in sport, it's consistency. And every athlete who's listening, every parent, coach, you got to preach consistency on and off the field. But Belichick is, if, they, if I was going to put a picture in the dictionary of consistency, Belichick's picture might just be there. So we're going to watch and see if they carry on as the Patriots should. They have dropped in terms of the odds and their chances of going all the way and competing for the Super Bowl. But I have a feeling about these guys after week one. We'll see. So we're watching with interest. We're watching Oakland, the Raiders, big move, new stadium. And of course, we've been watching since Gruden got his $100 million contract. Can he turn that organization around? They haven't done well. But this could be a big, big year for the Raiders. I'm a Raiders fan from since I started watching NFL football, and I've always rooted for them one way or another, and it's been a long, hard road. But I'm really interested to see and excited about this new stadium. Got to see it under construction, and now we're going to get to see it in action here. And 
how does that influence a team? We're watching a, a few of the new stadiums in pro sports and, and looking at how they influence the play of the team and just the attitude of the players. We're also watching the Browns. Oh my goodness, please. For the people of Cleveland, please. Football, gods, come down and shine on the, on the Cleveland Browns. They have been struggling for years and years, but they're actually making some, some changes. It's been a slow change. They've made some massive errors in the last few years in terms of what they've done in player recruiting. But now with the coaching staff, with the players, and they've also made some very interesting additions this offseason, um, they're a rebuild to continue to watch. I'm just watching to see if they can climb out of the basement and give those great fans something to cheer about. We're watching the Chiefs, of course, massive contract. Patrick's massive 10-year, $450 million contract. Does that change the attitude of a team? Can that detract from a team or does it make everybody around and go, man, we've got the guy. We've got our guy. He's locked in. He is a pro's pro. I love this. Oh man, he is fun to watch. But I also, again, don't know him personally. I know him just like you from what I see on the news and the TV and the interviews, but I really like him. If there was a leader of a team, you know, you talk about Brady and you talk about LeBron James, and you talk about all these, but, but here's a great young leader in sport. We're going to see if the Chiefs are everything they were last year and maybe more. So they're going to be fun to watch. And of course, maybe the last team I'll mention here this year that we're going to focus on from the crush performance standpoint are the Rams, the LA Rams. And McVay, of course, being one of the youngest coaches in the league, that's when we started focusing on the Rams. It was sort of a real turning point for the organization and exciting for sport to have one of the youngest coaches in the history of the game take over and then have some huge success. How are they going to respond to their success last year and how their season ended. You know, I got a funny feeling that McVeigh and that whole organization, uh, they're learners, man. They're going to learn, they're going to adapt and they're going to move it forward. Exciting stuff for the sport. I really love it. And we're going to watch that one. So, so that's really interesting. And of course, you know, another thing that we're watching is just the quarterback race. And, you know, it's interesting that five Super Bowl quarterbacks started with new teams for the first time in NFL history, five Super Bowl quarterbacks, Pro Bowl quarterbacks, are starting with new teams. You have Brady with the Bucks. You have Bridgewater with the Panthers. Newton with the Patriots. You have Rivers, Philip Rivers with the Colts, and you have Taylor with the Chargers. Okay, all great quarterbacks going to new teams. How is that going to change the balance and even the fate of those teams or the fate of those quarterbacks? Oh, there's five players we're watching really, really closely. All right, so there you go. That's the crush, what to watch this NFL season. And of course, we're just praying that everybody's safe and healthy, right, in these COVID times as we await that, that coveted vaccine for everybody's sake, for sure. Okay, so I will leave it there, everybody. But I do want to give you a heads up of what we're working on. And again, getting back to the original discussion of today, the brain game. The brain game is coming and it's going to start next week. I'm not going to promise more than two shows, but I'm going to say this. We're going to go for as many episodes as we need to, to make an informed decision as to whether the brain and everything the brain entails should be one of the top five crush priorities for pushing human performance to new levels. Again, we have right now the top four. Sleep, rest, and recovery. Number one, first and foremost, you have to build everything you do around sleep, rest, and recovery. Nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then movement, and then attack everything else. We're going to outline what everything else is. 
We're going to define what exactly is the brain and what all does it entail. It's much, much more than the mental game. And not only that, we're going to look at the technology that's now allowing us to train the brain, not just in terms of vision, but also in terms of controlling heart rate, skin temperature, our thought process, mindfulness. What is all this stuff? And how important is it to set up at the start of an attack on performance? We think it's, we think it's relevant. And that's why we're digging down deep. And at the end of this series, whether it's two, three, four shows, we are going to make a decision, not only if the brain should be a top priority, but where it lies within the top priorities for human performance. And I really do want your feedback. What do you think? If it should be there, if it's something you guys feel we need to address to get our house in order, to get our athlete performance in order, to get our future potential in order before we start attacking our sport and our development, okay? If it's, if it's one of those priorities that sort of sets the stage, the foundation building blocks of human performance, Okay, if it is, if we decide that it is, where should it lie in the hierarchy? Should it be number one? Should it be in front of or behind nutrition? Should it be in front of or behind movement and posture? These are decisions that are going to be made over the next weeks. And I'd love you guys to be part of it because your feedback is going to be important. Get to us. Of course, again, info at Crush Performance. You can Direct message me on Facebook, Crush Performance there. You can get to us on Twitter, Instagram as well. Let's communicate on this one. And if you guys have have done some brain training or psychology or you guys have done some mindfulness drills or breathing drills, let's hear about it. How did it affect you? We're going to be talking to athletes. We're going to be talking to neuroscientists. We're going to be talking to the tech guys that are building the equipment that are allowing us to do things we've never, ever been able to do with the human brain before and man oh man is it exciting that's coming up in the next few weeks on crush performance all right everybody a big day here today thanks for tuning in um sorry for the rants but man you guys got me fired up and i just love this stuff so uh hopefully uh, you guys were ranting right alongside me here okay so that'll do it for this week everybody now get out there get better stay safe and we'll talk to you next week right here on crush performance goodbye now don't forget to ride I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>